Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, God's Love for Us. I've said it many times. I'm going to keep on saying it. God is love. 1 John chapter 4 says it twice. God is love. Not God has love, but God is love. And I don't have God if I don't have the love of God. And I don't have the love of God unless I've got God in my life. Because you can't separate who he is from him. That's who he is. God is love. And knowing and believing the love of God enables us to become all that we're supposed to become in him. And this lesson... Lesson number four. Uh, I'm not sure if it would be in this order, except this is the order I was given to do it in. I don't know if in my logic that it might have should have been much earlier in this series or near the end. But here it is right now. And so this really speaks to God's motive. And the title of this lesson is, Behold What Manner of Love. So I'm going to read 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. And I'm going to read that in uh, two other translations. And try not to comment till I've read all of this. Uh, John, 1 John 1, uh, 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure." The Amplified reads this way, See what an incredible quality of love the Father has given, shown, bestowed on us, that we should be permitted to be named and called and counted the children of God. And so we are. The reason that the world does not know, recognize, acknowledge us, is that it does not know, recognize, acknowledge Him. Beloved, we are even here and now God's children. It is not yet disclosed, made clear what we shall be hereafter. But we know that when he comes and is manifested, we shall all uh, as God's children resemble and be like him, for we shall see him just as he really is. And everyone who has this hope resting on him cleanses, purifies himself, just as he is pure, chaste, undefiled, guiltless. First uh, John chapter 3, according to Weiss, verse 1, Behold what exotic, foreign to the human heart love the Father has permanently bestowed upon us, to the end that we may be named children, born ones, or bairns, of God, and we are. On this account, the world may be, uh, on this account, the world does not have an experiential knowledge of us because it does, it has not come into experiential knowledge of Him. 
divinely loved ones, now born ones of God, we are. And not yet has it been made visible what we shall be. We know absolutely that whenever it is made visible, like ones to him shall we be, because we shall see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope continually set on him is constantly purifying himself, just as that one is pure. Now, as in all these lessons, uh, these three verses have so many significant principles of God in them and are so interrelated as principles that it's so difficult to take one principle or two out of this context and look at it without acknowledging first of all that looking at that principle is not sufficient except in the context in which it fits. You know, uh, the, uh, the new kind of memory that we have uh, in our computers and phones and all of that today, the solid state that's so small and that can hold so much data. I can hold one of those in my hand and hold it right here and say, look how powerful this is. Look how much data this can store. And there's no moving parts and all of that. But that solid state uh, device, storage device, is of no value at all being held in my hand because I'm only telling you about the potential it has. I have to put it in the computer so it relates to all the other parts of the computer so the computer can be what it's supposed to be. Well, all the principles of God are very much like that. It, it, by themselves, they're amazing revelations and they're, they're astounding to know and it's such a, a blessing to know and understand that, that particular principle of God. But I don't really know that principle and I don't really have an experience with that principle until it is plugged back into the place God has for that principle in his whole word and in his plan, uh, his eternal plan and what he's doing through that eternal plan in this world uh, and in the body of Christ and in me personally before I can fully completely understand that. So you understand in this, in this lesson, that I can, I'm only, I'm only giving you some high points on some principles that to fully understand them have to be kept in context with the other principles to which they relate. So he said, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. <laughs> just, you know, he said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus came to talk, and he just interrupted him, said, No. He didn't even carry on the conversation. Nicodemus came and making statements. He, he, he responded to Nicodemus as if Nicodemus hadn't said a word. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus is taken off, off guard and he says, well, How can a man be born again uh, when he is old? Can he enter the second time his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So, born again, what? Why do, I, why do I need to be born again to be saved? I mean, just a few verses after being born again, 
It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have, should have everlasting life. Okay, so what is being born again? It's believing in him. I am not believing in God unless I'm born again. Now, you understand that people could not be born again then because Christ had to die before they could be born again. Because it was the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, which is the gospel, that provides the means whereby a person can be born again. So Jesus didn't explain how to be born again then. That's why Nicodemus, who was a a, a senior teacher in Israel, didn't understand what he was talking about. Because it wasn't fully revealed even what he said. But what's the ultimate goal here? Sons of God. Sons of God. Sons of God. He claims us not just as followers or participants in his religion or, 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 or servants or, or even friends. We're not just laborers. We're not just armies in his army, laborers in his fields, uh, ministers to him, uh, servants in his work. We're not, we're not just, we're not just those things. We are his sons made that way by his love. That's the relationship he's offered to the New Testament believer. What love that is. That's God's motive for you and I. So, when, as we taught in the last lesson, when things don't go exactly the way you think they ought to go, well, God doesn't love me anymore. Oh, yes, he loves you. But every father disciplines his son to train him. If, if a father loves his son, he disciplines that son and teaches him how to be a man. And fatherhood is a lost art in many, many homes in our world today. If there ever was, uh, if it ever was an art, because it's a product of love, which is an art, but so many homes don't even have a father in them. And so many, uh, so many homes that have a man in them, he's not a father. He might be the biological, uh, uh producer of that, those children. Uh, but he is not the father. Because being a father is a whole lot more than contributing seed for conception. And Paul told us in Hebrews 12 that we're not supposed to resent the chastening of the Lord, not despise it or resent it, because that's the Father at work in us. Why? Because we're His sons. And He wants our, us as His sons to become all that He intended for us to be. And that's why Paul said in Romans 8 that we are being transformed into the image of His Son. Yes. So that we can be used as conduits for the glory of God in the earth. What manner of love, what indescribable, incomprehensible in a, from a temporal perspective, would the Father, the infinite one, what kind of love is He? And does He have toward us that He's done all of this to Provide the means whereby you and I can become his children. And he said, if he spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, Romans 8, 
How much more, how much more will God give to those he loves? How much more will he do for us? How much more? And then Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, I hath not seen, neither is ear heard, neither is into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit, his children, his sons, that he trusts with his name, he trusts with his word, he trusts with his spirit, he trusts with his authority, he trusts with his power, he trusts with his plan and purpose because we are his plan and purpose. And if as his sons, we don't let him train us in this school to bring us into the likeness of Christ so that he can be, be, be through us as a part of the body of Christ, what he intends to do and what he's promised to do in the earth, that his whole plan fails. And you look back through the Bible and you see the number of times that God, God's whole plan was dependent upon one person fulfilling their part of it. Moses, excuse me, let me go farther back. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Moses, David, the prophets, the man Christ Jesus. And now we are sons of God. We are sons of God. We're sons of God. Meaning he's put us in that place of opportunity, privilege, and responsibility. At the Naval Academy, they taught us two anacronyms, R-H-I-P. And R-H-I-R, rank hath its privileges, but rank also hath its responsibilities. And you can't enjoy the privileges if you're not willing to fulfill the responsibilities. And the rank of being made a son of God through no worth of our own, through no effort of our own, no worthiness of our own, simply because he loved us. He did everything that was necessary to provide the means whereby we could become sons of God so that we could then become obedient and submitted sons so we could become his conduits in the earth to do his will and and and, and be conduits for his kingdom and his name, his will, his word in the earth. How amazing is that? It's a, behold what, what manner of love, what, what type of love. It's the extreme love. He didn't have to make us sons to save us, to rescue us from our sins. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that. Let's go the other way. The father had two sons. And one of them, uh, what we end up calling the prodigal, because he said, you know, hey, I don't want all this. I want my share of all this now. I want to go have, I want to go have fun now. I want to live for now. And so the father said, okay, here it is. And he went and wasted it all. And as long as he had money, he had friends. When the money was gone, the friends were gone. And now he's starving and he takes a job with a farmer, feeding and taking care of his pigs. And he's so hungry that he's about to eat the, uh, my grandfather called it slop, the pig's food. 
which is foul-smelling stuff, and those pigs put their nose in that trough and go to town with it. I've watched it do it, them do it many times when I was a kid and visit my grandfather. So he's so hungry that he's about to eat the pig's food, and that brings him brings clarity to himself that he didn't have. His mind was fogged with all of his own lusts and his own will away, whatever. And so getting so, getting that desperate, he says, wait, wait a minute. I know I'm no more worthy to be a son. But my father, my ser- father's servants have bread enough to eat. They don't have to resort to this. I'm going to go home and tell my father, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Just let me be a servant in your field. But what he didn't know, he didn't count on the love of the father. He didn't know his father very well. He didn't know the love of that father very well. Because that father had been watching for him. And when he was a great way off, what a little bit of dust his two feet were making on the path. The father saw that little bit of dust on the horizon (coughs) and discerned, that's my boy. And he ran to meet him and fell on his neck and kissed him. Can you imagine what he looked like and smelled like after being in that pig pen? But the father's love didn't care. He loved and embraced him just like he was. He didn't say, get all cleaned up before I'll hug you. No, the father embraced him just like he was. And then he starts his speech. Father, I'm no more worthy to be your son. Let me uh, let me be your servant. And the father ignored him. He said, uh, hey, bring, the, bring that best robe. He had all of this prepared. It was waiting. He didn't go decide, okay, well, my son's finally coming home. What am I going to do? Uh, how am I going to demonstrate my, let's see, eh, I'll give him new clothes. He probably needs those. And I got a pair of shoes here, extra pair I could give him. And well, here's my ring. That really represents who I approve and have given authority to use my name. Okay. He didn't go through all that. That was a done deal. It was all settled. It it was waiting. The servants knew that when that boy came back and the father, they knew to be ready and bring those things with the father when he went. Because they were right there with him. And so he said, "Put put the robe on him. Now, I know the scripture doesn't give all the details, but surely they took off the filthy rags, which is called what repentance and water baptism does. Uh, you know, originally, but here he is, he's already a son, so he's returning home from his backslidden state, and so the father restores that righteousness, that robe of righteousness, takes away all the stench and all of that, puts that new, that, that, his best robe on him again. And then, he puts no shoe, new shoes on his feet, and, and shoes relate to the preparation of the gospel of peace. So he gives him back righteousness and he, and he gives him peace. And then he said, here's my love. And he gives him his signet ring, which gives whoever the bearer of that ring the authority to represent that man in business using his name as if it was his own. That's what a son has. A son has the authority of the father to represent the father speaking the the, the words of authority of the Father, exercising the power of the author, of the Father. And if God's love is so great to take ranked sinners and make us sons, 
How great is that love to take backsliders that have despised that and didn't understand or didn't appreciate the Father or that love when it was first given to them and restores all that to them when they come back humbly. What kind of love is that? What kind of love is that? (laughs) Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. But then he says this to us. We're living in a period of time where the world don't know who we are. The world doesn't know who we are. The world doesn't know. Why? Because it doesn't know who he was. Now, Romans 8 says, there's coming a time, just like when Jesus one day walked out of that carpenter shop for the last time, because he had worked. I don't know what how, how old Jesus was when Joseph died, but he was the eldest son of the family, and we know he had brothers and sisters through, uh, by, by means of Joseph, not over, being overshadowed by the Holy Ghost, through Mary. So Jesus is now the, the uh, eldest son. He's now the breadwinner. He takes over the carpenter shop and works there till he is 30. But there came a day. He walked out of that obscurity, closed that carpenter shop door for, on him, on himself and his worked there for the last time and he walked out was baptized of John uh, in the river Jordan with John declaring behold the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world and he was manifested and he spent three three and a half years or so manifesting that he was the Son of God to this world so that they could be ready for what was coming and be saved and Romans 8 among other places says that uh, uh even though the world doesn't know us now because it didn't know him till then, the sons of God are going to be manifest in the earth so that the hungry and those that are willing to believe can see and know and be saved, see, know, believe and be saved before the rapture of the church. Beloved, verse 2, now, right now, not in the coming day, but right now, you and I've got to believe this. I am a son of God right now. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. So again, it may not appear in my life if I die before uh, the rapture. But it's going to appear in my life at the rapture, whether I'm resurrected from the dead or I'm quickened and changed as one living at the time of the rapture. But it does not yet appear what we shall be. (laughs) Uh, What does the scripture say? As he is, so are we in this world. 1 John chapter 4, I think it's verse 17, 18. As he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. And just like the Son of God was in obscurity, and then he came in manifestation to those that would receive him, yes, there were still people who didn't know who he was. He came unto his own, his own. He was in the world, the world made by him, the world knew him not. He came unto his own, his own, own received him not. Yet, but look at the thousands that did and the millions who have received him since then. So the sons of God are going to be manifested in these last days just like Christ was manifested in the last days of the Old Testament. The sons of God, 
the body of Christ is going to be manifest in the last days of the New Testament so that those that can be saved will be saved before the rapture. Because he says, uh, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, that's the rapture. The appearing is the rapture. We're going to be judged, Paul said, at both his appearing and at his kingdom. The appearing is at the rapture. The kingdom is at the end of the seven years of wrath. So we're going to, when we see him at his appearing to us, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, because we will be instantly changed. First Thessalonians chapter 4, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we will be like him. Uh, for we will see him as he is, and we will be like what we see there. But listen to this carefully. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Well, what is that talking about? Every man that hath this hope in himself purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Or as one of the translations says, cleanseth himself. Cleanseth himself, even as pure. If I have this hope, this confident expectation, that I'm a, I'm a son of God and I'm a part of the plan of God, a part of the body of Christ, and that I'm going to be a part of the fulfilling of the word of God in these last days just before the rapture. What kind of life should I be living if that great love is working in my life? What kind of life should I be living? What kind of life? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1 says... Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So if I have received this great love of God, and I have this hope that because I'm His Son, that I'm going to be a part of the glory of God, that I'm going to be a part of the manifestation of the glory of God in the earth, through me, because I'm a son of God and a part of the body of Christ, then I need to live like I believe that that, and have the confidence that I'm a part of that by living purified or cleansed. And so Paul says it, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Well, what is he talking about here? Having therefore these promises. See the word therefore is there, of course, which is a conclusive conjunction. So that word, which we would normally say therefore having, but King James English was written having therefore. So therefore means what was just said in verse 7, uh, chapter 7, verse 1, having therefore, therefore having these promises dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness of the fear of God. What is the therefore? What is the, that statement a conclusion of? Well, let's go back and look. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. The verses immediately preceding 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. So 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. Be, not, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? 
what part, place, portion, share hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God? And our bodies are the temple of God. We are the temple of God. Paul said that First 1 Corinthians 3. Uh, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? What are we doing having idols in the temple of God, our lives? For ye are the temple of the living God. I didn't even read it. There it is. What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said or promised or declared, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, if you want those things to be true that the Lord has said there, here are the conditions to prove you want that and prove you believe that. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. And the word separate there in the Greek means to be set apart by boundaries. Boundaries. Saith the Lord, touch not. That means don't have an affinity for don't take the things of this world into your heart. Love not the world, the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world is not of the Father, but is of the world. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is of the world. He that loveth the world, these things, the love of the world shall perish, but he that doeth the will of God, the will of the Father shall abide forever. So, that's not an exact quote, but you can find it. First John chapter 2, verses uh, 14, 15, 16, somewhere right in there. And so he said, Come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will welcome you into a relationship that I approve of. And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord. Behold what manner of love. Behold what manner of love. I don't do anything to earn that love. But there is stuff for me to do to demonstrate that I believe and have received that love and that I value that love for what it is and I value the blessings and the benefit that benefits that have those abundant things that I hadn't seen, ear hadn't heard, neither is in the heart of man, that God has prepared for those he loves and that love him in return. And Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And here is a commandment. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you and will be a father unto you, and ye shall, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord God. Well, how do I come out and touch not? Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh, the outside, and the spirit, the inside. And this is the process of perfecting, of bringing into maturity and completion and fruitfulness, holiness in the fear of God in our lives. Holiness is interior. I cannot see it. Separation both in, in, in dress, appearance, in activities, actions, attitudes, 
priorities. All of those are the outward things that people can see that are the evidences that I am separated because I have holiness in here. Separation is the outward manifestation of an inward holiness that I am wanting to see come to maturity. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but when, when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. He that hath this hope in himself purifieth himself even as he is pure. God is holy. And if I want to go be in a holy place with a holy God, I have to become holy, cleansed inside and outside. And yes, sheep have clothing that identify them as sheep. And wolves can put on sheep's clothing and still be a wolf. But sheep don't put on wolves' clothing and remain sheep. And so therefore, the activities and attitude and actions and fads and fashions and all of that of the world that I embrace is me being unequally yoked together with unbelievers, fellowshipping my righteousness with unrighteousness, communing my light with darkness, having making some kind of pact between me as a part of the body of Christ and Belial, the devil, it is taking my share as a believer and sharing it with an infidel who doesn't want it for themselves by obeying God. And it is me allowing idols to abide in the temple of God. And this will cause me to be rejected by God. That's exactly what the prodigal did. He wanted all of that and it cost him his sonship. But God, who is such so great in his love and mercy for us, but God, but God, restored that sonship when he was restored to his relationship with God inside and out. <clears throat> Behold what manner of love, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that he's offered to us, the opportunity to be sons of God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I speak the word of authority, of impartation, of the spirit of revelation, of the love of God, and of sonship upon us, and what it means to purify ourselves even as we are pure, that we might walk in that confident expectation, that hope of being a conduit for the glory of God in the earth. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. God bless you.